Chapter 13 A Very Large Diaper After a few tense moments, Jack's diplomatic skills averted a strip mall shootout. Really wouldn't have been much of a shootout anyway, since Rhodes and his homely admin Alice were the only ones with guns. The outcome would have been a half-eaten fried egg sandwich next to a couple of lead-poisoned brothers. Pretty shitty last meal. The guns were down and Bosco was sitting upright, brown carpet fibers cushioning his ass, his large canine teeth temporarily parked behind slobbery lips. Rhodes dismissed Alice, telling her he had everything covered, sat across from Jack and Luke, who had returned to their seated and upright position. What the hell do you mean you have powers? Rhodes asked warily. I'm not a big comic book action hero fan. Do you know why they kidnapped Jack in the first place? Why Beth, the dragon lady, was assigned to him? Luke asked. The stock algorithm and the virus. They needed him, Rhodes said, pointing his gnarly thumb in Jack's direction. It was you two that told me. Do you leave something out? He asked, eyes narrowing. There's a bit more to it, Jack said. In the heat of the moment prior... When it looked inevitable that Rhodes and Alice were going to shoot them, Jack and Luke had a very detailed conversation in their heads. They agreed to give Rhodes something that would explain how they had come to know more than they were supposed to know. They conveniently left out the mind-reading part, but decided that truth in small quantities would be about the only thing that would work. Jack continued, Have you heard about what happened to us as kids? he asked. A coma of sorts, Rhodes replied. Yeah, you could say that. We were struck by lightning and we were in a coma for a little over a year, at which time the awkward employee of ours named Dequan hooked us up to random streams of information. For over a year, he did it to see if anything would happen. And you're telling me something happened? Rhodes cut in. Jack nodded and continued telling the story punctuating it with the real reason Beth and the organization wanted him, to know how he was able to get ahead of the action and invest large sums in member companies with impeccable but highly improbable timing. They're convinced I have some sort of mathematical formula or algorithm I've been using, Jack finished. Yeah, you said that before. Are you saying there is no algorithm? Rhodes asked. No, nothing, Jack replied. Then how do you do it? Rhodes asked, incredulously. I only wish I knew. There was certainly no insight on my part that I was somehow making moves in advance of a corporate criminal cartel. The math just made sense, Jack said. Jack looked at Luke, sensing he was going for an Academy Award. So you're some sort of idiot savant with the stock market, and your brother over here has some unique abilities to read people. Almost like a human lie detector? Rhodes asked. Jack cringed at the term idiot savant. Well, that's one way to put it, Jack said sarcastically. Luke broke the silence that had settled in as Rhodes chewed on the story. Our other employee, Eamon, ran into Beth in Atlanta. She didn't recognize him, but he was able to track her to the airport where he saw she was going to New York. Jack had seen something about Glenn Halvers, the CEO of Agrifuse, and who knows, 
like you said, idiot Savan over here, just kicked in and started putting two and two together, Luke said, looking at Jack while smiling. He continued, When you told us about Gomes, I could tell you were lying. Rhodes cleared his throat and gave Luke a hard look. I mean telling us less than the whole truth, Luke quickly corrected himself. Jack also filled me in on the bits of a dream he had about the events, and it became clear that Serena Green is working for you, Luke said. What about the president, Rhodes asked. How did your abilities help you to come to that conclusion? Jack and Luke looked at each other and had a very spirited conversation telepathically in front of Rhodes without him ever knowing it. Jack finally spoke up. No clue. It just fell into place. Occasionally, even a blind hog can find a nut, sometimes, Luke said, immediately wondering why his dad's favorite southern analogy popped out. He continued, Some of this doesn't make any sense, granted. I don't know how to explain it, and our employee who did this to us is clueless too. Putting all that aside, I know we're right. You've got a major operation that appears to be headed off the rails, and we may be the only ones who can help. That is, if you're done using us as bait. So, what's a president got to do with all this, Luke asked. Boys, I need you to give me a little privacy for a moment. Rhodes got up and showed them the door. They walked back out into the waiting room with Bosco behind them, taking a seat in the same shitty brown chairs as before. Both of them glanced behind them to see if Alice, the mad librarian, was about to drop a cap in their asses. A few minutes later, they stood in the parking lot, incredulous as Rhodes unlocked the door to his car. Even Bosco looked at Luke and shot him the image of a steaming turd. The car made Alice's look like a Bentley. It was a late 90s Caprice classic, very light on the classic. Round in all the wrong places, it was a faded metallic brown with mismatched tires but matching dents in the front and rear quarter panels. It looked like it fell out of a very large diaper. The only thing going for it was dark-tinted windows. At least no one would see them in it. Tell me this is a joke, Luke muttered as Rhodes unlocked the doors and got into the driver's seat. Nice, right? Rhodes said. It's classic. Says so on the deck lid. The interior made the exterior look positively mint. Bosco had difficulty settling into the rear seat due to a large chunk being taken out of it. The years of accumulated sweat and despair were tenuously held at bay by a lone pine-scented air freshener that hung on the rearview mirror. The air freshener needed some reinforcements for sure. You're going to have to show us how to submit some expense reports, Luke said, 20 minutes into the ride south toward D.C. Why is that? Rhodes shot back. Because as soon as I get out of this shit bucket, I'm getting my clothes fumigated. Jack piled on. Just drop me at a walk-in clinic. There's more STDs in this thing than on a Thai massage table, he said. Rhodes just smiled. I realize that you boys have done pretty well in this classic ride may not suit your taste, but being with the Department of Agriculture, we get the hand-me-downs. This fine, high-mileage vehicle has been provided to us courtesy of a federal drug sting. It may fall short in some areas such as interior, exterior, 
engine and drivetrain. However, it was free and doesn't look out of place in front of my office. The ultimate urban sleeper, so that's what this is. You're definitely good at turning shit into chocolate mousse, Luke muttered. Traffic was heavy, and after 50 minutes, the fumes blowing off the air freshener were giving them a headache. I know we're headed toward D.C., but can you fill us in a bit, Jack asked. In due time, Rhodes said as he took the Walt Reed National Medical Center exit off of I-495 and made his way to a parking garage in Bethesda. He parked the car and grabbed their bags from the trunk just as a large black SUV pulled up behind them. After you, Rhodes said, opening the rear SUV door. The driver looked well-trained, dressed in a dark suit, sunglasses, and a communications earwig, the cable running down the back of his jacket. Jack and Luke were in total Vulcan mind meld mode at this point, chatting away silently in the back seat. Fear wasn't registering, but the suspense was killing them. It wasn't until they hit DuPont Circle 20 minutes later they got a strong sense of where they were going. Their smiles disappeared when they drove past the White House entrance and pulled into a nondescript office building a block away. The SUV lumbered through the parking garage. In the far corner of the garage's basement floor, they saw a large steel door that opened wide enough to accommodate the vehicle. The door closed quickly behind them as they entered. Once inside, they saw four parking spaces none of which were occupied. However, there were three armed guards gripping compact automatic weapons which hung from their shoulders, staring at them hard enough to hurt. Jack and Luke looked at each other curiously as they were escorted from the car into a private elevator. They rode the elevator in silence after Rhodes pressed the fourth floor button. They exited into a small, sparsely decorated vestibule with one small chair near the elevator. Twenty feet away was a lone office with nothing more than a one-word sign on the door that said, Accounting. Their driver took a seat in the vestibule chair as Rhodes led them to the door. He put his thumb on a small keypad and put his eye up to what looked to be a keyhole. Retina scanner, Luke whispered inside Jack's head. A woman who could have been Alice's twin sister sat behind a small semicircular reception desk and nodded at Rhodes. Rhodes led them to a large office to their left, closing the door behind them, taking a seat at a small conference table that was woefully small for the size of the room. Jack and Luke looked at each other, and then at him with some confusion. Another Department of Agriculture office? Jack asked Rhodes as he and Luke pulled out two of the three remaining chairs and took a seat. More or less, Rhodes replied. They sat in silence for five minutes, or at least they didn't speak to Rhodes. As they played the game of verbal chicken with him, they shot thoughts back and forth to each other. This isn't your typical conference room, Jack thought to Luke. No shit. Table's too small and there's nothing in here except four chairs and a table. Hell, there's not even a phone, Luke replied. They don't need a phone. This place is wired for sound and video. See the small dots in each corner? High up on the wallpaper, Jack said. What are you talking about? It's an ugly floral wallpaper. You see dots? Seriously? Luke asked. Yeah, dots. Take a look at the top of each corner. 
you'll see the dots in approximately the same spot in each corner, and they don't correspond to the pattern. They're cameras, Jack replied dismissively. Okay, whatever. The place is wired for sight and sound. Who cares, Luke replied, annoyed they were there in the first place. I'm just saying this is interesting, considering there are several large rooms behind that wall over there, Jack said, glancing at the wall behind Rhodes. Bullshit, Luke said. That's an exterior wall. It's got a window in it, you idiot savant. Before Jack could respond, he was interrupted by the sound of the door opening and the sight of the President of the United States, Terrence Washington. The broad-shouldered man, still trim and athletic, stared at them for a beat too long, his quick assessment of them apparently not jibing with the backstory in his head. His trademark white scar that ran the length of his left jawbone stood in contrast with his rich caramel-colored skin. So it would seem our interests are aligned, the president said, after sitting down and smoothing out his pants legs. A million thoughts shot back and forth between Luke and Jack. Some had to do with what the hell he meant by his opening remark. The others were of the, oh shit, I can't believe we're meeting with the president variety. I don't know what you mean, sir, Jack offered. What I mean is both the organization and I am interested in what you know and how you know it. His gaze settled on them with excruciating heaviness. The brothers shared the same confused look, and the president continued. Apparently, the organization wants to know how you know so much about their business. Enough, in fact, that they would spend a considerable amount of time and effort, not to mention their most trusted operative, to find out. They were even willing to expose the true nature of their interest. The president leaned back in his chair and put his large, scarred hands on display as he gestured in a questioning manner. Why is that? It ain't nothing, he said coldly. Great, so they're interested in us. That's not necessarily news, is it? So why don't we cut the bullshit and get to why we're here, Luke blurted, getting annoyed with the cloak-and-dagger bullshit and sensing the president's formal persona was less than genuine. Luke sensed under it all the president was scared. The large man looked stunned for a moment. His commanding present in combat-scarred hands and cheek, courtesy of the war in Iraq, and the fact that he was a president, usually elicited more deference. He shot Nathan Rhodes a what-the-fuck look, to which Rhodes responded with a shrug. Well, Mr. Glasser, you know something about the organization you're not supposed to know. And as Colonel Rhodes shared with me, you know something about the Department of Agriculture you're not supposed to know either. I find that strangely curious, and I want to know why. Now, the president said, his voice as hard as steel. It took 30 minutes for them to recount the story they had told Rhodes. They added more color commentary about their skills and ultimately what had happened in Canada at Greenleaf Cannabis at this time sharing more information about Magnus and how they found out about Beth and Serena. After all, even though he started trying to bully them, he was still the president. After listening intently to everything they said, the president rubbed his head with his hands, 
turned and looked at Bosco, who had been sitting quietly on the carpet, and asked, What's with the dog? Rhodes escorted him back to the waiting room. Give us a minute. He and I need to talk. What the hell was that all about? We spill our guts, then get ushered back into the waiting room? Jack shot Luca thought. He could tell his brother wasn't listening, just like you can tell when someone's not listening on the other end of the phone. He hit him in the arm. Ease up. I'm connected to Bosco so I can hear, Luke replied. Well, hook me up, Jack said. You sure? Luke recalling the casino scene. I seem to recall that didn't work out so well last time. Jack gave him the side eye. Because you couldn't shut the fuck up. Had to prove how much you knew, Jack shot back. Luke just shook his head and connected him with Bosco's hearing, the dog choosing to lay still, looking bored and pretending he didn't give a shit. At least that was Luke's interpretation. The conversation was choppy and faint. The president and Rhodes weren't in a soundproof environment, but there was some distance and a few very heavy doors in the way. Thankfully, what they did hear had nothing to do with imprisonment at Guantanamo or espionage. That was a good start. The conversation centered around trust. The president grilling Rhodes on whether they could be trusted and read in on whatever they had on the organization. Rhodes had already debriefed the president on the failed Atlanta mission, and after a couple of months of using the brothers and their employees as bait, it was obvious the plan wasn't working. After the Gomes debacle, Rhodes was certain they couldn't effectively set a trap robust enough while still being stealthy. The organization would eventually come after the Glasser team, and they most certainly would succeed. It was just a matter of when and where, two variables that were too open-ended. Getting the brothers out of harm's way, sequestering them and putting their skills to use was Rhodes' only option now. After 30 minutes, they were ushered into the conference room where Rhodes and the president sat, unmoved from when they left. I've taken the liberty of checking around on you two, the president said. I know you have top secret clearances. However, that won't do for the ship we're about to show you. Before we go any further, I think it's important you know what the ground rules are. They're simple. I need you two, as well as your two employees, working with us until further notice. Jack and Luke looked at each other with dismay. That's a little too open-ended, Jack began, but was cut off. I don't think you get it, son. You either work with us and help us put the organization down, or you go about your business and wait for your ex-girlfriend to kill you and your employees. You may want to think about your parents as well. These people don't leave anyone left standing, the president said. He stopped for dramatic effect and continued. Just so we're clear, working with us on this requires secrecy. A level of secrecy that makes a top secret clearance look like a hall pass. Any slip from you or your employee will result in the same consequences the organization is prepared to throw down on you too. I'm serious about this, boys. He sat looking at them with a stare that left them sweating. If you're in, then you're in. For the long haul, the president said, without any emotion.